You're listening to What She Said, a podcast for bloggers and creatives hosted by me, Lucy Sharif, a freelance journalist living in London. Each week, I interview different women in blogging and the online world, getting their best blogging tips and advice, and a little bit of gossip too. Thanks for listening. Hello, and welcome to another episode of What She Said. This is episode nine, where I get to chat to my longtime fangirl crush and fellow podcaster, Sarah Stars. Also, cool name. <laughs> we delve into a little bit of woo-woo. We get a bit witchy, but not in that really annoying being boss way, in a really cool way. And we talk about the struggles of working out of flow, especially when you've got a baby. Sarah is such a total unicorn. She's Canadian, which makes her intrinsically awesome. But on top of that, she's just a really kind, interesting human who I basically could have chatted to all day. If you're a new mama, or you've been feeling like you're working against your natural rhythms, this is the episode for you. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being part of it. Now, for anybody who doesn't know who you are, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your blogging journey so far? My blogging journey is kind of like a long one, like so many of us, like kind of lifers out there. And it's um, been in a place of transition the last couple of years. So I was one of those people who had, you know, LiveJournal and GeoCities and AngelFire and like all of the websites because I was like a lifelong diary keeper as well and just have had this kind of compulsive need to take photos and express myself so when I got to like do it online and share all of my angsty ramblings you know I was more than happy to do so (laughs) so embarrassing and and then I ended up you know really getting into lifestyle blogs kind of near the end of my university degree I think I started my first kind of proper lifestyle blog and it grew from there and it gave me so many opportunities from my accent, you can tell I'm not British. I'm Canadian by birth. And when I decided to move to the UK, it was quite like a wonderful transition in that a lot of the bloggers that I followed and kept in touch with online were in the UK. So I already had in this built-in friend group and I got some amazing opportunities to work with brands and I was freelance writing at that time. And that just kind of naturally evolved for me that I started doing some different personal development work myself. And that's kind of where my blogging journey went for a little while with focusing more on personal development. And I will say that I got a little bit sucked into the kind of cult of the online business, like make a six figure income and create online courses and have sales funnels. And I did all that stuff for a while and had a bit of an existential crisis about it. Oh, that sounds interesting. Well, I just, I kind of lost the joy in it. And I was thinking that if I was going to work for myself, that I had to do it in this really specific way. Because when I'd moved to the UK, I'd stopped freelance writing and had gotten a day job. And yeah, I just thought I had to do things in this really specific way. And I was trying to start a business ultimately, because I wanted more time to work on my writing. And what ended up happening was like writing had to fall to the back burner because I, you know, had to do, you know, marketing became the main thing. I wasn't even like doing coaching as much as I was doing marketing and all of this other stuff. So yeah, I don't I, like an existential crisis and I quit my job and became a nanny. And, um, oh, wow. I so found- you Laura Jane Williams it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but well, I did it before her. Oh, so she actually, Sarah um, Stars did. No, love- <laughs> she was on your was podcast, wasn't she? Like, she was, yeah. Laura's great. <laughs> I met up with her in 
Stoke Newington where we were both nannying at the time. And yeah, it was funny. I think she was just starting and I was just getting ready to kind of finish. But that just gave me like the space to have, like it paid my half of the rent and stuff and kind of gave me some space to figure out like, what do I want to be doing? And, and how can I do that in a way that feels good? So I've ended up working as a virtual assistant. And that's kind of what I do to pay the bills. I help online business owners do some of the day-to-day workings of their business, whether that's managing their podcast or their social media or their email marketing, so they can do the work that they really love. And that in turn was consistent enough work that it really freed up space for me to focus on my writing again and to you know have a baby, which I've done now. And I've just started a new blog, which is just about motherhood and the pure. It's just purely for the joy of blogging, really, whether it goes anywhere. I just have all of these thoughts about being a mom and babies and stuff and all of the transition that comes with that. And I just felt like I've had this audience that they're along for the motherhood journey, but they maybe don't want to hear about babies 24-7. So that <laughs> space now. So yeah, so that was really long and rambling, but um, that's kind of where my blogging journeys come from. So you mentioned before your kind of existential crisis where you were sucked into kind of the shoulds, as it were, which we all go through, right? We all go through that because we look at who else is out there online and they make it seem so easy and it feels like we can't carve our own path. We kind of have to carve the well-trodden one first or tread the well-trodden one before we carve our own path. So how long did that journey take? And when was it kind of a gut feeling? Like as you were going into it, did you already feel like, mm, yeah, I'm not sure? There was maybe a year and a half where I was doing, no, it probably wasn't even that long, actually, now that I think about it. Because my first online course that I ever created was really like an act of passion and joy and love. Like, And I really did it to share things that I'd been learning that had worked to help me in my own life. And so I hadn't really gotten maybe, so yeah, it was probably maybe like eight months where I was really, I was writing blog posts a specific way. Like, you know, there, it was all like teachable, like Um, implementable advice and like you know that really kind of method and so it's probably eight months where I really focused on doing things in that way if I think about it there was this kind of gut feeling that because I had a real resistance to some of the work that I was doing but I, I had this feeling that I knew that I wasn't supposed to be in the job I was in either and so I was just kind of trying to push through and assume that once I reached a certain level it would all kind of feel good but even when I was kind of working with clients I was doing life coaching at the time it would feel really fulfilling, the work in that helping people is really fulfilling, but it's still, I guess there is still that niggly feeling that I was still, I was pulling myself away from the writing, which is what I ultimately wanted to be doing. And it was um, the imposter syndrome that I was kind of struggling with in the coaching aspect of my work that I realized like, hey, like I stopped freelance writing because of imposter syndrome too. Like, have I just found another way to run away from my writing, even though I say that I'm doing this in the name of my writing? So there was like the niggly feeling, but it took, yeah, it took being like smacked upside the head with it a few times (laughs) as it often does for me before I did anything about it, if I'm completely honest. I'm really interested to know as well, because I feel like you've, so how old is Peter now? It's five months, is he? Yeah, he's six months on Friday, actually. Oh, my God, that's gone so quickly. So, obviously, we connected. We were both doing the same Instagram course. And was had I just had Anais? No, I was pregnant. No, yeah, you were like, yeah. Yeah, I was at the end of my pregnancy, and you were like, obviously. So, Anais is eight months next week. Yeah, so I got to see little bits of your journey of kind of like what was to come, which has always been really Yeah, yeah, because I've just been like that 
bit ahead, which is probably quite nice. I'd quite like to have someone else a couple of months ahead of me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Get a sneak peek, really. <laughs> What's next? What hell is next? But it, I'm, interested. <laughs> I'm interested to know how, and I feel like I know the answer because I know a bit about you and that creativity, there's something about growing a human that fills your body with creativity yeah I don't know if you had the same thing when you were pregnant yeah absolutely and I think even more so in a way since giving birth so I'm really interested about this and I really want to talk about this more in depth with women so yourself included in another format maybe and anyone who's listening if you want to get in touch like I think there's this real cyclic energy of like pregnancy and postpartum and that this huge I mean obviously you've done probably well, I don't want to say it's like the most, but it's like the most literally creative act that I can think of in terms of like your body growing another human. Yeah. It's freaky. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's so it wild, makes sense that all it? that energy is building up, is doesn't it? And I've always been, well, not always, but for the past few years, I've been really interested in the kind of the energy and cycle that we go through every month with the menstrual cycle and how that impacts my life. And so now I'm thinking, well, obviously there's something really kind of energetic and cyclical going on. And I mean, like that sounds really woo and like I can totally take it to a woo place, but I also mean like quite physically Mm. what your hormones are doing and what impact that has on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it seems to be that we all go through this big surge of creativity. And so I certainly have, it's been kind of funny because it also is like you have the most creative creative ideas of your life potentially and the least energy and time to actually implement any of them yes (laughs) I've constantly like I'm gonna start a street style blog and I'm gonna write this book and I'm gonna start this business and my husband's like yeah totally that that seems realistic (laughs) (laughs) it's so hard though isn't it but I mean you started this podcast which is amazing and I've started this new blog and I think it's partly like picking and choosing what's doable right now yeah. and letting the other be others be seeds for the future and see if they go anywhere. But absolutely, I think it's such a creative time and it's both wonderful and really frustrating. Yes. And actually, that brings us perfectly to on your Instagram stories when you were having kind of, because you're only, you know, dipping your toes back into work, right? And I think that's so sensible. If, if you can, it's obviously awesome if you're freelance and you kind of have the opportunity a little bit more but it's also quite a lot harder because you have to do it with a baby around and it's sometimes really easy to work with a baby around sometimes but you really have to go with the flow and this is what you were talking about like yep it's totally okay and I loved that you also didn't push against it because I found that the days that I felt most frustrated and have ended the day in tears is when I've just been forcing my schedule onto Anais and I haven't just gone oh hey do you know what let's go with her flow and you put it a lot better than me and I don't know how you're so zen about it as well (laughs) well I mean we'll see how zen I am when I'm actually working five days a week right like I'm using my keep in touch I've kind of like saved up my keeping in touch day so that I can be working one day a week right now and then I have to go back to work at the end of January yeah and I'm only planning to go back like a couple hours a day to start because that feels doable but I mean I originally thought that I would go back to work at three months postpartum yeah I mean I think quite literally I would have given myself a nervous breakdown like I've struggled with anxiety and depression in the past and I could quite quickly see how that was going to come up for me again if I 
if I was just getting to the point where I felt like somewhat of a human at three months, like if I had tried to go back to working for five days a week. So that was very much like a, a going with the flow and listening to my intuition. And it's just been the last little while that I feel like I can get little bits done. But I mean, I sound zen about it when I'm talking maybe, but it's definitely a relearning how to go about working even because I mean, I mean, Peter's the best, but he's like very inquisitive and engaged and wants a lot of attention all the time. And he he's starting to get into a rhythm of napping, but it's still sleep is a bit of a struggle for him. And so I'd never, you know, you see some people like, oh, my baby's having a three hour nap and here I am like tapping away and they're sleeping beside me. It's amazing. And that's just not been <laughs> our reality yet. And so what my vision of working postpartum and like then what the reality of like is very different. I would love to just be able to sit down for two or three hours a day while he's sleeping and just like hammer out a bunch of work. But it actually ends up being in these like little fits and starts 10 or 15 minutes here and there. Like what you're saying in terms of like trying to force your schedule on him when I can just use those little 10 or 15 minutes here and there, I can get an amazing amount done. And then if, if I need a bigger chunk of time, I do it when he's gone to bed, obviously. Yeah, it was that same feeling I think that you had. It was those days when I was like, well, you might be awake and like really wanting my attention, but I'm going to try and power through this when it just ended up being like, you know, we'd both be miserable. The day would drag on forever. And so it kind of just felt like necessity. If I don't go with his flow, it was going to be miserable really quickly. And I don't know if you found this, but I find that the more present I am with Anais because she's also the same she's very inquisitive and she just wants attention especially as she's getting a bit bigger um but the more present I can be just the more sane I am and I'm not saying that in a judgy way I totally stick her in front of CBeebies when I need a shower but if I can just sit with her next to her play with her a little bit or go to a cafe so that she can just smile at people life is so much easier for the both of us. Yeah. So it's really interesting because I think there's such a lesson in it in terms of going with the flow, right? Like I think babies kind of force you to, because part of the reason why I started this blog is because I am a bit spiritual and woo-woo. And a lot of the kind of spiritual woo-woo um, or even like self-helpy kind of role models out there are single self-employed people. So they often have an abundance of time and money, or at least it seems that way. And so they have really important things to teach us, but it can be a little bit difficult to see how it applies to our life. And so I've been really interested in these ideas of alignment and flow beforehand, especially as it comes to like creating creative work. I was working on a book and just, you know, just wanting to find a way to write that's really joyful rather than going back to that kind of old tired trope of like frustratedly banging out words and like hating yourself. And before I had Peter, it could feel like difficult enough to get into this place of feeling really aligned and flowy. But I've realized in a way with a baby, if you can just surrender what you think you want to be doing throughout the day and just go with their flow because they're so in the present moment, like like you say, like the, I think the day goes by more quickly. We're both happier. And somehow it all ends up getting done. Because it has to. The things that have to get done just get done. I can be surprised when I think like, oh, wow, like, It doesn't feel like I had a big chunk of time today, but I actually did get a few hours worth of work done and it felt quite easy and and joyful. And then we got to go for a long walk and do whatever we kind of were doing. So often on my podcast or when I was doing more kind of self-help focused work, 
I would hear from people who are like, but I have a little kid. And I mean, obviously, I don't know what would life would be like with more kids or because I was saying, I don't really want any. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't know what it'll be like when he's older. So I don't want to like be like, I've got this figured out. Yeah. It's definitely a day to day experiment and it's definitely messy and it definitely doesn't look like doing a whole, you know, there's like a lot of sitting on the couch, like waving a scarf and stuff. Like it's not yeah, totally. glamorous and Instagrammable <laughs> a lot of the time, but in terms of like my uh, mental health and uh, like our kind of flow and joy, it can be really simple in, in a way, I think. 100% agree. It's really hard, isn't it? Because you don't want to like jinx it. And when you look back at how you were when Peter was probably six weeks old, like you don't want to go back to think that you could do, I don't know, like I remember when Anaya slept through the night for the first time at about seven weeks and I was so smug and I was like I've got this cracked <laughs> she didn't sleep through the night again until six weeks ago so, <laughs> so I was like come on like I, I now will never jinx it by trying to look into the future so much because babies are growing so fast at such a rapid rate that it's not possible to stick them into a... Well, I personally, I'm a bit woo-woo about myself, about how I bring up an IS. Apart from that, I don't do baby-led weaning. But aside from that, I just don't... I go completely with my gut, completely with intuition. I, every book I've read, every bit of advice I've listened to, I, I, it hasn't worked for me. I, I 100% go with my gut, which actually has been a huge lesson for the rest of my life, my work as well. Because I think so often we're, we, we don't listen to our own gut. And that's what we naturally should be doing, I think. Yeah, I think we're so tuned in to wanting the best for our babies that that gut instinct comes so easily. Whereas there's so much stuff on top of us in terms of, you know, we should want what's best for ourselves and be tuned into that. But there's been so much kind of stuff piled on top of it in terms of society's expectations and other people's expectations that it can be harder to hear. I think it is a really good lesson clearing that away. And I will say too, like you're talking about, you know, when the babies were six weeks old, I don't want to give parenting advice, but I think for me, the thing that made the first few months survivable was not getting anything done, right? Yeah, like it was like yeah. an epic achievement if I fed myself and had a shower and like maybe left the house to go to Tesco but like if you can just think like put all of that stuff that people tell you about like going to the gym and like being a productive human and going like leaving the baby with your mom so that you can go out with your friends for drinks like if you if that's really important to you then just ignore me because I think you should ignore any parenting or any advice in general that doesn't jive with you but just accepting that the first three months in the long, like the grand scheme of things were so fleeting. Like it seems like they went by in the blink of their eye, but in the day to day living of them, they were really long, really long days. But just knowing that I was kind of completely connected to him still and giving those days to him completely. Cause there's like eight hours of breastfeeding sometimes. Oh like, my God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> if you thought that you needed to write a blog post without it just naturally flowing to you. Like if you had a to-do list within the midst of that, like I really think I would have quite literally lost my mind. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would. There's that added layer, isn't there, when you're breastfeeding as well, that not to judge anybody who doesn't breastfeed, but just the added layer of literally having your bum on the seat because you can't move anywhere yeah. for most of the day it's like everyone tells you like oh and then your baby will feed every two or three hours oh I'm my like, yeah, god like, that is five or ten minutes but yeah right <laughs> no we were exactly the same but then uh, but then again like that was more ridiculous advice to me because their stomachs are like the size of a pea or well they're bigger than that but they're tiny I don't I don't really want to that like a nice to be going longer for 
three hours when she was that little because <laughs> she would have been starving. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't go that long now, really. So, like, and, I, and it's funny, too, because like, I remember one of the midwives putting it in a good way, which this is not really relevant to your podcast, I guess, but just that, you know, you wouldn't judge yourself for having a little sip of water yeah. or, like, a handful <laughs> of almonds or, like, whatever in between all your big meals. So if they need to, like, have a drink, it's their only form of sustenance. And I know he's got my metabolism, which means he's constantly hungry. It's all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that flow at the beginning is literally just your milk flow <laughs> like you just yeah, have to go with absolutely. that and then just let it happen and I don't know if you found this I spoke about it on the podcast in Podmas about how I really struggled to pump so I was the same as you I thought I would go back at three months and I don't know how I thought that I would do that. And some people can do that and some people have to do that. So it's honestly, honestly, no judgment. For sure. Like if you're doing what you think is best for your baby, then that's the best thing for your baby, isn't it? Yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah. But yeah, I, I was like, yeah, I'll go back. And so I started surreptitiously kind of pumping. And then I was like, why isn't, why isn't milk coming out? I've got no milk. Uh, but nobody really told me that there's this whole emotional, physiological kind of thing where your baby's latch will help your milk flow and I did not yeah. know that at all I just thought well if I've got milk then it will come out <laughs> yeah I mean I was totally out to lunch with that as well and I'm really lucky that in Liverpool we have an amazing breastfeeding peer support network and so there's a Facebook group and I'd seen other moms have similar issues and I mean like I also just like in the beginning I think you know they say oh start pumping at six weeks and you'll get the kind of best results long term like I just had no idea when in the day I was supposed to be pumping because like he was either latched on or I was like trying to go to pee like you know that was kind of the extent of what I was able to achieve in the day um, and you, yeah you don't re really want to spend your hour if they do go down for a nap like oh yeah I'm, I'm not gonna go for a wee and have a bath or have a cup of tea or just you know sit in silence I'm gonna stick a cold plastic thing to me and milk myself like a cow I just no the only time I had success pumping was Peter was in hospital when he was two weeks old and he had of to course, eat through a feeding yes. tube and they had like a heavy duty but like you really feel like a cow with one yeah, of those it's like on both boobs super oh, electronic wow. and because he wasn't feeding at all for me well that was the only way to get the milk out and it did work but yeah I keep thinking Oh, maybe I will start pumping again because I just gave up on it after like five days, to be honest. I yeah, didn't, I gave I up. didn't give it much of a try. But now that he's older too, I'm like, well, he's going to get to the point where he, he can just be left without milk for a few hours. So mm. It does get easier, but I never got to a stage where I could pump a lot of milk. Not enough to kind of send her to nursery with like all the milk that she needed for the day. I never got to that stage. I got to the stage where I pumped for about a month and had two days supply in the freezer. But then that's just my experience. I mean, you just never know, do you, how it's going to be for you. But then, again, that's kind of a lesson in, yeah, like you say, you've got to go with your gut and do whatever you think is best for your baby. So going back to getting into alignment and probably, I don't know if, well, it must have changed so much from pre-baby to with baby. But I know a little bit about getting into alignment and, f and working in flow. And you can get super woo with it, super woo. But... Could you explain how you best get into alignment and flow and how that's helped you in your kind of work life? It's something that I'm definitely just experimenting with still. And I think the idea with getting into alignment is to do whatever will make you feel most joyful. So if you can just make that a habit of asking yourself on a regular basis, like what would make me feel more joyful right now? 
And I think I was talking about on Instagram stories when we started talking about this was that it would be really easy to, you know, on a day when maybe Peter's being a cling film baby and won't let me put him down to think like, oh, well, you know, this is, and you know, if he's crying a lot or whatever it is, I mean, he's not a very cry baby, so that's not a great example. But if it's just having a day where mothering feels really hard, previously I could have easily gotten hung up on like, oh, but like I wanted to get that blog post written and I wanted to do X, Y, and Z. And it would be very like me trying to force the situation. And so now I just try and think about like, how can I do this with whatever's flowing to me? How can I feel more joyful in that? One of the things that definitely was a big kind of getting an alignment thing before baby and still is now is just putting on music that makes me feel really happy, moving my body a little bit to that. Like I'm not a dancer at all, but like moving to music um, and dancing does often get me into alignment. Going for walks has been, since having a baby, one of the biggest things because him being in the sling and it's like such a good, probably for him, like all of that inquisitiveness and desire to like see things like is so stimulated and it kind of gives me a chance to be like with him and close to him, but not necessarily having to entertain him. That's been a big one for me. We go for really long walks and try and be in nature as much as possible. And baking has been one recently. I think part of that is just, I make this really easy banana bread recipe pretty frequently. And it takes a little enough amount of time that he's often happy to sit in his bouncer chair or lie on the floor and just watch me do it. (laughs) I call it uh, Mommy and Peter's taking show because if I just explain everything to him as I'm doing it and show him what I'm doing, then that seems to be enough to entertain him for that amount of time. That's a really Um, good idea. <laughs> yeah, top baby tip, right? Yeah. There. <laughs> but then, you know, then the house smells amazing, and we've got this great, it's like a pretty healthy recipe. So we've got this like delicious, like fairly healthy thing to snack on because I'm constantly hungry still yeah, now that yeah, I'm breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, so that's been a really good one. And it's just like sometimes just choosing those little things. I think too, like on a day when it feels like, oh, I'm not getting anything done, like baking something feels like it, like I did something, like I made something with my hands, and you can see it. And I didn't just hold this baby all day. Which, you know, I think keeping a baby alive is an accomplishment in and of itself. But it's hard to say that sometimes. It is hard to see that. And I think we're so hard on ourselves because there's nothing like the criticism leveled at mothers, (laughs) often by other mothers. So that kind of noise in the, not just the blogosphere, just in the world, I guess, it's almost impossible for that not to seep in. It's so hard with babies. I feel like no matter what you do, yeah, it feels like you're doing it wrong to somebody. But that's why it's so important to just stay kind of in tune to what you think is right. It's hard. We've all gone through that arc of trying something out because some, you know, your best friend said that worked a treat for her. Especially, I think, personally, I found the sleep thing the hardest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, sleep deprivation is... Like you can see why it's taught used as a method of torture. <laughs> you really can. And it can be really hard to feel like you're in a place of joy and alignment when you are sleep deprived and like really completely depleted. And I enjoyed listening to some of Just Lively's podcast because she's been experimenting with this alignment stuff so much. And one of the things that she said that was really helpful to me was that not trying to manipulate your emotional situation so that you go from a place of being depressed or like so tired that you just want to cry and then try and feel joy instantly. Yeah. So she talks about there being an emotional ladder and moving up that emotional ladder might just be moving up to feeling kind of 
blah, or yeah. it might be moving up and feeling angry, or it might you might be moving up from depressed to sad. And so it's like, what can you do? Yeah, to move up that emotional ladder. And often I think it's finding a way to kind of honor and express the emotional state that you're in so that it moves and doesn't stick around. So I think it's really great to ask yourself, what are those things that I have in my back pocket, like movement, like music, like maybe baking or walking or painting or reading that really easily get me into a pretty high emotional state, but then also just being so gentle with yourself that if you're, you can't like necessarily switch it on all the time. I think partially it's a practice and we can get better at it, but also sometimes it's not, maybe not necessarily about moving right up into joy and then that's okay too. Because the more I've tried, just similar, like about trying to force the schedule, the more I've tried to force myself to feel a certain way, like the less I feel it and the more frustrated and like faily I feel. Oh my God. Yeah, I know. I totally, totally feel that. And I, and I do want to say, actually, before we end our chat, although we're talking about motherhood specifically, because we're both in very similar places in our lives, this is so relevant to just anything. Like if, you, if you're blogging on the side and you've got a full-time day job, that's kind of the same. Like our babies are our full-time day job <laughs> and everything else we do is on the side. <laughs> That's such a good point because I actually got myself into when I was talking about building my previous business in that way that ended up not feeling very good. But I was doing that alongside a full time job and I was totally forcing my life like I was working before work and after work and on my lunch and I I got into a pretty serious place of burnout physically and mentally and um, took a long time to heal from that. Like in some ways, I'm still healing some of that physically because having a baby after that doesn't really help. But anyway, um, <laughs> if you're like physically burnt out body. Um, but I think if I'd been in more of a place of flow, I could have achieved the same stuff that I was achieving, but in a much more organic and possibly slower way, but maybe not even slower, but it wouldn't have like damaged my health so much. So yeah, I think it can be absolutely relevant no matter where you are. What tips would you give anybody who's kind of dipping into trying to work more in flow I used to really time block my day which is like a big productivity hack that you'll see lots of people say Mm. and I've just tried to work in a more feminine way so can you kind of think about the three things you need to get that day and this obviously will look different for you in a nine-to-five job and so just tweak it as you need to but like thinking about those things that you need to get done can you just kind of spend some time first thing trying to asking yourself what would bring more joy to this day and see how the day kind of invites you to get those things done rather than you saying okay I'm going to do this and then this and then this and then this and trying to control your day really tightly and it's super hard I think a lot of us try and stay sane by controlling things as much as possible but ultimately I think it is the thing that uh, can make us really unhappy because easily the day can throw a curveball at you and if you can kind of flow with that it does make life easier in the end and it does all get done I think. Thank you so, so much for being part of the podcast. And you're a double hero because you had to do it whilst keeping a human alive. (laughs) Thank you for being part of the podcast, Peter. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Peter's very excited to be on his first podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. So where can everybody find you online? I'm on Instagram at sarahstars underscore. That's S-T-A-R-R-S. I'm at sarahstars.com. And my new blog is ofthemoon.co.uk. And I'll link to it all in the show notes. Thank you so much for having me. 